The official podcast of the Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, your number one source for news, series, discussion, and interviews with people from the Potter books and films. I know a small amount myself, having written the books. My name is Jakey Rowling. I am now happy to introduce your hosts, Melissa, John, and Sue. And Frank. Spooky man. Oh, yeah. I'm having a time running. Happy Halloween, it's podcast number 208. 208. Oh, that's, Officially, that's officially how many you should be at after four years. Yeah. If you didn't want every week. 208 shows, though. Hey, perfect. There you go. Four years a while ago. We're all caught up. Once again, I'm Melissa and I'm here with John, Sue, and Brack, and you're in for another week with the number one Harry Potter podcast online with Harry Potter Theories and Discussions and News and Chat and John being stupid. Yay. 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 Holy cow. Well, it's a big Halloween show, guys. We have your news and then another special Halloween version of the Potter Pundits. Mm. We return with. It's the second half of the Gothic. How special is that? I want to see. It's super special. Everybody's waiting for that one. What is happening in the news this week, the Sues? And now we turn to regular contributor for an update on how the new Wizarding Order is affecting the Muggle world. We have a lot of news this week, including Deathly Hallows stuff. But before we get to that, we have a really cool report from Harry Potter the Exhibit, which opened in Boston, Massachusetts. Oh. And our own Melissa Nelly. That would be you, Melly. <laughs> yes. That is We're me. there. <laughs> and you, you got to talk to our friend Matt Lewis, Neville yes. Longbottom. That's so wonderful. Stuff. Hey, we should put in a clip of that that little bit right into the show. Going to start doing the final scene. I mean, the final battle. This is like the culmination of what what has it been? Almost ten years of work now. So, what's that like? Um, it's weird, really. I mean, I'm I'm not so much thinking about it as being the end, but you guys keep reminding me. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I'm just sort of. uh, It's weird. I think it is. It is all all coming to an end. You know, come next next summer, um, natural film. I think around May June we finish. Uh, and it's weird, I mean, we, we've been together for, like you said, nearly 10 years, and um, I've made some incredible friends, not just in the cast, but in the crew as well. And um, obviously, uh, being an actor, I'm not going to have that, that safety net of Harry Potter as well um, there. So it's going to be a bit, bit, bit strange and quite daunting. Uh, whilst at the same time, um, I acted from 5 to 11 doing different stuff, and then from 11 to now doing just Neville. Um, so I'm looking forward, um, with great anticipation, really, to, to, to getting out there and and, um, and and playing another character. I mean, as much fun as Neville's been for the last sort of nearly ten years, it's been you know so wonderful playing him. He's such a beautiful character, so so lovely. Uh, but you know, I get to go out there and, and, and be challenged as an actor and try something else, which I can't wait for. I think nice I think maybe he asked Joe all those years ago who he was going to marry, and she's like, "I'll tell you if you don't tell anybody no, until Matt 2009." Lewis. Little known fact: if you've read Harry history, Matt Lewis does has the is the only cast member to ever turn away information from J.K. Rowling because he wanted to read it in the book. 
Aww. Really? She tried to tell him. A week before Deathly Hallows came out, she tried, She walked up to him and said, you know, there's some great stuff coming in Deathly. He was, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Right in the middle Aww. of the premiere party. Don't tell wow. me he yells at Taker Rowling. Which I think awesome. is great. Awesome. I bet she's not used to that. Because, you know, well, only one other person did that, and his name's Richard Leaf, and she had notebook of after notebook <laughs> that she was going to give to him right. about the character, and he's like, nope, no, I need to know, I need to read it for myself, and if not, I need to hear it from John, because it's his life after but all. But you know how traumatic like, that would be to know how many times Dollish has been pwned, though? I mean, why would you want to oh, read that? You know, you know? No. so why would he want that? You know how many different versions she went through to now get Now we're going to talk about house elves. No, we're not. We're going to talk about why Neville is going to look have a leaner look in Harry Potter and the Deathly House because he's bad beep okay. in this movie. Are you, getting, right, are you suggesting Pottercast follow some kind of template? In what we, <laughs> not no. at all. Everything is just so... No, I want to talk about Neville because he's going to be okay. so cool in this movie and Melissa got a great... Finally, finally, at long last, they have ditched the fat suit. Neville oh, is yay. finally going to look like Matt, who's a good-looking kid, you he's know? He's like the and... best-looking guy in the cast, isn't he? Sure. That's what that's what I've always been hearing from whenever people see him without his suit on and everything. He's just a very nice guy and naturally funny and and it was great. They had this kid event that he was... Is, that he, is he pursuing acting or is this just yeah. Neville is something he's doing? No, he's pursuing acting. His brother, actually, when they started all this, his brother was already on a soap opera in Britain. Hey. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, Adrian. Not Adrian, Adrian's father. Um, oh, God, I forgot his brother's name. I feel bad. Hmm. It's on the tip of my tongue. Something Lewis. My... Something Lewis. It's something Lewis. It's something oh. A and I can't remember. Anyway, um, yes, he, he's a... He's, it's an acting um, kind of family, <laughs> but they're not... It's not like a show busy family. Do you know what I mean? They're very mm-hmm. down-to-earth and... And chill. So like, yeah, um, no fat suit because because he's been right. Yeah, I mean, there's no fat suit because he's been like work. He's been like living on the road or whatever. So or or like living on you know, living under the radar. So he's lost weight. And when we talked to him, he just it just said, yeah, you know, this week we're gonna be we're gonna be filming the final battle. And I'm sitting in a room with plenty of <laughs> you know a couple of big fans, but but a lot of media and whatever, and nobody <laughs> did the intake of breath. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, you can't just say that. You can't say that. I would have been the same way. I'm like, what? And so my voice would have went up five octaves. Everybody's there to talk about the museum, and I'm like, well, I don't care. So, Matt, about definitely <laughs> yeah. awesome. You can't you can't put him in a room with with Leaky and Mugman, etc., and, and expect us to ask him about the museum. It's just not. Well, it's you know, the same museum as they had in Chicago, isn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. Do they add anything new? So, so where's the not, new story? Is, it was still great. I mean, it was still great. I'm to sure. See, I can't wait to see it myself. Now, I, Melissa, having seen like the stuff at Warner Brothers a lot like four years ago, or three years ago, like when we went on that little tour, how much mm-hmm. like how much of it was new from those props that we got to kind of peek at there? A lot, a lot. Okay, cool. there's 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 a lot more than what we saw on the Warner Brothers set. It's a very extensive collection, but I, I asked them during the interview. How extensive? What what portion of the options does this represent? How much more would you have liked to get on there? And <laughs> they were like, ah, oh, and they just got this faraway look in their eyes, like they want to bring probably hundred thousand percent more than they have. That's the, to give wow. the idea of the scope of what is at Leavesden and Pinewood and 
but they wouldn't reveal anything. So I said, what, like Dumbledore's chair? And they all started laughing. And so it makes me think that Dumbledore's chair is on the list. It's extensive, but it, it also gives you the, the distinct impression that the, it's, there's plenty more. Yeah. Some of it, some of it's really good. You listen to the audio thing and you mm-hmm. hear, instead of like a museum guide, you hear people fr- like, like Stuart Craig and Jamie, uh, Tem, the, Temini, costume, the, the costume, Temini, yeah. the costume woman and Nick Dudman, the creatures guy. Um, talk about it. And sometimes you hear a really good tidbit, and sometimes it's a little not a really good tidbit, like they were talking about the golden egg. And now you get up close to the golden egg, and it's this large object, it's got carvings in it, you know that, we know from the movie that it opens, and it's Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And the only thing that the the audio thing said was, well, whenever the kids get a new prop, it takes them a while to, like, work with it, and it's fun to watch them kind of... And I was like, well, I don't care about that. Tell me how you made the stupid egg. You know? (laughs) You know, like that. So... Once in a while, it's something like that, but mostly it's a really, it's a really cool, uh, interactive and learning. Experience. How did they come up with the actual technology to make it like sing underwater and be noisy outside of the water? I have a feeling that was the magic of editing, John. <laughs> oh, nuts! Oh, oh, nuts! They're really good actors then to pull that off convincingly. Wow. But we should point out that, the, that this exhibit is in the Museum of Science in Boston, and yes. it's, it's open now until February 21st of next year, so wow. it's available. Good. You should go, right, Melissa? You would recommend it? I would recommend it. It's it's For for a hardcore Harry Potter fan, literally, this will be the only opportunity you have to see some of the astounding detail. Not even in the movies. When you walk around, I mean, I wouldn't... I don't think that it's something that every Harry Potter fan would be into, but I do think that if you are a serious Harry Potter fan, like everybody listening to this podcast is, when no you doubt. watch the movies, you will never, ever, ever see some of these things. You go up to the Ministry no, of Magic we poster, and there's a, there's, I mean, you read the whole poster, and on the bottom, in the tiniest script, like, like small print on a contract, it has, um, you know, Property Ministry of Magic, and the trademark number of the poster, and, the, and a serial number, and it's just like, who would ever put that detail in there? It's never going to be seen in the films. It just it just gives you the idea of the complete absorption that the craftspeople yeah. have, have done. I want to see and it. And literally, it is the only chance for people offset to see these things. I want to go. I heard Lucius's robes are not actually black because of the, the camera, that they can't have it right. So they're like dark kind of so. green. What's astounding is Voldemort's robes, they're green. Yeah. Yeah. And they're green and silver. And it's, it oh. looks like the colors are flowing between the two because it's so light. It's almost... It's almost Ooh. not real. The robe I saw so that. Light. I saw he, um, his robes and Umbridge's costume over down at Fitham. And they do the they, they do a, a exhibit every year before the Oscars about all the nominated. Um, oh right! And just films from that throughout the end. I got to see that not this past year, but the year before. It's really cool. Do they have his trench coat? <laughs> uh, Dolish's trench coat. Yeah. Um, no doubt. They had the dummy of um, Mrs. Longbottom standing on top of it. You can't you can't appreciate the full length and beauty splendor of the robe of the, the trench coat. Yeah. That's awesome, Frankie. <laughs> wow. I want that display. I'm gonna start a petition. We need to see that display set up. We'll call those people up and say please. <laughs> That's awful. That would be great. <sighs> okay. Guys, I have two pages left in my sketchbook. Uh oh. Are you going to do Dollish costume on the trench coat on the ground? That Which sketchbook awesome. is this, Doodles? This is my most current one. Oh. I mean, not, not one I'm selling again. I'm not going to do that for like probably another month. 
Okay, number four in news. This is really pretty cool. They have now announced open casting calls for Wizarding World of Harry Potter theme park. Ah, uh, awesome. Then this is interesting that the first ones are going to be for men and women, but for mostly for male actors in the mid-30s and mid-40s who can do um, improv and they can do British accents. Interesting. <laughs> well, that's obvious. I mean, they're just going to be interacting in the park and improv just means that you can... You know, go back and forth with the people at the park and stay in character. But you know, it's. Why are you laughing? I'm just imagining all these ridiculous, like, improv things that have nothing to do with Harry Potter, but they're doing it in a British accent. Like, like, hi, Oprah! (laughs) (laughs) Just being, like, stupid improv. Sorry. It was funny in my head. And all the kids are kind of, like, standing around, like, what's going on? (laughs) What's going on here? I want a churro. I want a churro. I want a cinnamon wand. They should call churros cinnamon wand. It's not going to have churros. Ooh. They're going to have cinnamon wands. Oh, maybe a cinnamon wand. That'd be fun if it was a cinnamon wand. That would be wand. fun. Mm. Well, I'm very excited for this, and, and I'm sure there'll be more casting calls. So everyone's like, oh, how come they're not doing younger ones? I'm sure that they will, but this is the good sign that this is actually officially now starting to happen. It makes it seem more real. Yeah. And those are going to take place on November 14th and 15th. We have the link and information on our website, so... Check that out. Cool. I wish I could do a proper British accent. Yeah, I have to. There's one thing about the about the Boston exhibit that the, the people all did British accents, and some of them were not as good as others. Oh, oh. so there is hope for me. Well, the did Boston they do- accent is hard to overcome. Yeah. <laughs> I wondered how that was going to be, Millie, because I remember I posted that story about them hiring people that could do the British accent. I didn't know if they'd actually yeah. employed them. Some that. of them were very good. Some of them have a little Boston in there. Yeah, they just came over. They, they, they Boston's like the, the sworn the enemy of, of Britain. Hmm? Isn't Boston like the sworn enemy of Britain? Or the Tea Party? We started, yeah, Boston's sort of where we started to, to break away from them, John. Yeah. So, yeah. So, they don't like Maybe. each other too much. <laughs> yeah, but still, t- today, they don't like each other. I'm actually impressed that they put the exhibits there and that they were okay with it. Yes, I'm sure the Queen herself got really annoyed. <laughs> the Queen's away. like, oh, I have to ah, think about this. Oh, yeah. no, not with oh, Boston. No, no not with Boston. <laughs> she said. Okay, shut up. All right. Uh, so dorky. I love you all. Um, this is cool. And actually, I think it's actually really, really cool. If you're going to buy the Harry Potter and Half-Blood Prince DVD on Blu-ray on December mm-hmm. 12th, you can do a live screening with Dan Ratcliffe and David Yates. Wow, are they going to yeah. be interacting with people on on there too? Yeah, apparently so. They're going to have a it's a via the Blu-ray the live community screening, and for the one hundred thousand first fans that register can go take part of this on December twelfth. Wow, awesome! That sounds fun. Can you imagine though? It is. It's kind of like you know. People? Yes. Can you imagine? Well, I, I don't know how they have, how do you have the technology to do that? That many people. That's insane. <laughs> I mean, they must wow. have. How many moderators are going to have to have for that? Because how many? I don't know if they're so all allowed hot. to chat. You know? Do you think God. they're all allowed to chat, though? I no. can't have a chat room with 100,000 people. It's going to be like a <laughs> Maybe you have 101,000. Well, I, th- I think, isn't it just like you see like them in the corner of the screen watching along with you or whatever, and they can give commentary like live or whatever? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I don't know if there's going to be how much we can interact with them. It's a marketing right. gimmick. Actually, I think if you if you touch the screen and poke Dan's eyeball, he's, he'd be like, ouch! So, I love how you just referred to an old leaky design. Yes! What? Thank you, Melissa. You <laughs> said that fast. Remember, remember that? 
Oh yes. my god, the, the creepy Dan eyes. The creepy Dan <laughs> eyes. I wonder if he ever saw that and was like, okay, I forgot to that. Stop. I thought it, I can't remember. I thought it just went like creepy headwig eyes and then that was it. But no, no it went creepy no, headwig eyes and creepy Dan eyes. Those lips! How could you forget those lips that would come out and like smooch you? you that was your like your fa- I remember when oh, you were yeah. making it. That's right when I laughed so very, very hard. You had, to, you had to click his nose and then he'd kiss you or something? It, and I remember when we had our little meeting and you were discussing that. I just, oh man, memories. So <laughs> I gotta do something knew. really important here. We need to make Dan give a kissy face. That was spent awesome. 25 hours on it. That was oh, like back sitting. in 2006, right? I remember that. Yeah. Uh, need to do stuff like that for Deathly Hallows. Had we come back to life or something. I think we need yeah. to so we can kill him again. Not gonna die. Hedwig is not dead. She lives. Oh. Uh, speaking of Deathly Hallows, <clears throat> okay, there's a lot of uh, stuff that's been floating around about Deathly Hallows, but most of all, and I know a lot of people do not want to read this, but there is a massive spoiler report from Holy the cow. Weasley wedding that is online. I read it. Isn't that spoily? <laughs> well, but there's a lot of people <laughs> nice that stuff. don't want to know some of the details that you can find in there. I mean, you know, a lot of people. Like what? I mean, details? we'll probably get it when we get the preview. The DVD, but I don't know. Like what details? Should I do the spoiler warning? I mean, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 warning. 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 We're going to learn that the uh, twins um, are going to, you know, you can tell that uh, one has been injured and that Ron is going to make fun of him by wearing his own fake kind of mock mock. I have my own bandage on too. Kind of mocking. Oh, you know. How did he get injured? From Greta, the ear. Oh, so, right. The ear. Yeah. Okay. I'm joking. Holy, holy, I'm a, holy I'm a cow! That's all you can come up book. with. And you know, I mean, there's a lot. There was photos, though. What, what surprised me was the photos that they said were drawn inside of Luna's house. I was kind of surprised that they were able to get away with that. It exists. Interesting too that we learned that Madame Maxine is back at the dancing for the wedding. Hey oh. <laughs> with Hagrid. <laughs> I mean, okay, okay. You know, good. You know, uh, good. I'm glad to hear that they are bringing because that. It's a very important part of the Hallows. You see all the characters that have been part of the story for so long, and to ignore that in the movie would be bad. Mm-hmm. No, right. do we even uh, see Madame Maxine in the seventh book? No, no, not that, at all. So that's interesting. That was really mm-hmm. interesting when I thought about it. I'm like, wait, the whole, the, the the Pegasus didn't come over and like kick a giant in the face. I'm like, no. You know what didn't. they're you know what they're probably doing, and because of the way they've sort of glossed over it, instead of having the whole story between Madame Maxine and Hagrid. Mm-hmm. Since it's Fleur, do you have to identify her to the people who've seen her from movie four? So you have to have a lot of Bobaton imagery in there. So they probably have a lot of Bobaton people. Oh, and that's smart. There she is. Yeah. Since I we mean, haven't seen her since movie four. What and if, we, like, in order to get over the whole idea that they ha- there was a relationship, like, there's this big elaborate thing where Madame Maxine like sells Fleur to the <laughs> Weasleys? No. And like, it's an arranged marriage. No. And and that's why she's there, just kind of. John, that did you pull this plot from a bad soap opera? Like, what? No. I, I, I could totally see that. Madame Maxine, we don't know much about her. She could be into that kind of trade. Well, I'm more curious on how they're going to explain the return of Bill Weasley, the brother that we never knew about. Um, is it the that same actress for Floor? Yes. Clemence is coming back. Yeah. And, you know, but the report contains, you know, colors of the wedding and just little minor things that most people won't. But there's a lot of people that are trying to avoid it. And um, yeah. so the link is on Leaky if you want to read it. But speaking of coming back for Deathly Hallows, Melissa, like you were just talking about, we've we learned from Matt, we've heard from many other actors that they were going to be filming starting the Battle of Deathly Hallows this uh-huh. month, including from Mr. Chris Rankin, who also updated us as as we're recording this right now, right now, today, there are 43 
of the principal cast members on set for Deathly Hallows today. Do you think there's going to be a memo passed around set about Twitter? <laughs> you'd, you'd wonder. It's Don't such know. a different experience now. I'm just thinking, like, how much did we find out as, like, Chamber and nothing. all the other ones were getting filmed? Absolutely nothing. nothing. Absolutely nothing. Going to the junket for Leaky was the first time the fans had any kind of right. input into the questions. Into the, We heard nothing until the press machine geared up. Yeah. You know? Now all the kids grew up and they're like, hey... Guess what I'm doing this week. Plus, you know, when they're done, they're going to be sort of out of contract with Warner Brothers. Like, they can, yeah. well, they can worry less. Like, if you tweet about this, we're not going to invite you back for number nine. <laughs> but no, didn't, who was that in the news? Maybe you guys will know. Who was the actor that, like, somebody, like, I don't know. I want to say, not Jessica Simpson, but some blonde actress. I mean, they had a rule now that they're not allowed to tweet about some of their films that they're doing. Some other studios are doing that. Gosh, I wish I'd look that up. That's a good point, Melissa. Makes Melissa. sense. Yeah, you know? it a lot of information coming out on, on Twitter, you know? Yeah, makes sense. But Twitter's like upstaging the fan sites. Well, yeah. Oh. It, it, that's, that, that's, you know, this is an actual problem I had with the news, though, that's happening j- not just fan sites, but with everything. Twitter, I mean, and, and you know how much of it is accurate. You know, God bless him, but Patrick Swayze died five times before Aww. he actually passed. You know, so, so did you don't Kanye know how, West recently. Yeah, yeah. See, so there's false rumors that go around, and yeah. then, but in the eventuality of like things like, say, with the Iran elections, and you know, there's a lot of good. You know, I mean, there can be good, but sure. I don't know. It's it's really Twitter's an interesting like question. Magic. Whoever it's, it takes on oh. the, the principles of what we're Miley Cyrus deleted her Twitter. Oh, and oh, no. yeah, oh, really sad. Care. Her boyfriend told her that she had to. And then, then she did, and then she made a song about it on YouTube. Is that is any part? I mean, I know she deleted it, right? Yeah, all that's true. Her boyfriend told her she had to, so she did. I'm so <laughs> glad much. she's a role model for young people today. Uh, I'm so and then, excited and then she about tweeted this. about the fact that so the boyfriend wanted her to, and then she denied it afterwards. The boyfriend what? I wanted her, her to, to delete the Twitter because all of her private life was getting too public and it was annoying or whatever. Well, I'm so glad she has the capacity to make up her own mind and I'm so glad that the young people of America are so tuned into what she does. Can we move on? <laughs> Before I get really angry. <laughs> well, I want to know who those 43 people are. That's why. Let's, I, let's I, count. Ready? Dan, good. <laughs> uh, Rupert, good. Emma, not there because she's supposed to be at school. Um, Matt, good. She's at school? Emma yeah, is. She's Emma's sad. at school. She's College. all like, I'm in a dorm now. I don't need to film anymore. I'm sure she's filming. Are you okay. kidding me? You told me that they're going to fly her all the way back from Brown. She was just over in Paris she doing her all the way back from Brown. Like, she's going to take the Pony Express. They're going to put her in a first-class virgin airline. Yeah. She goes around all the time. She was just in Paris, you know, like I two know. weeks ago for the fashion yeah. shows. It's not... Come on. She could be there. I'm she kidding. It's also... Uh, it's also uh, well, I don't know. I'm sure so she So it's those six. It it's those six. Uh, plus Michael Gambon. Nope, not him. Um, Why not? Oh, he's, he's a dead. ghost. Oh, that's right. He's, he's a, a ghost. ghost. He's a ghost. He's a ghost, according to Gambon. He's a ghost. Mrs. Weasley, Lucius, uh, Arthur Weasley, Narcissa, Narcissa, Narcissa. Bellatrix. Are we counting, John? Or are we going to forget how many we're up to? Frankie's counting. No, I'm not. I'm no, drawing. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm going to, wait, start, start again and I'm going to count. All right. Okay. okay. I kind of want to do okay. this now. I'm excited. Okay. I know, me too. Harry. 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 Ron. Ron. Neville. Luna, um, Hannah well, Abbott. Joe! Okay. No, d- stop! Wait, wait. Uh, Luna, okay. The, the trio, Luna, Neville, Ginny, yes. Ginny, Ginny, of Molly, course. Molly, Arthur. Molly, Arthur. Bella, Percy. Narcissa. Percy. 
Bellatrix, Joe. Percy. Can we get through the Weasleys first? Okay. Percy. 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 And we have Fred and George, right? Fred and George until no, he dies. Fred. Well, Fred and George. Twelve, thirteen. Right, yeah. because, yeah, I mean, 13. that's part of the sequence. Charlie. Right. Bill. We're not okay. seeing Charlie, are we? Sure we are. I, wait, I... Okay. Um... Yeah. And then let's do, like, the Gryffindors. Okay, so there's Seamus and Dean. Mm-hmm. Seamus and Dean. And what about the Patel twins? You bet they'll be around, right? Yep. Patel, Patel. Okay. Um, um, what's his name? Joe no. now. We'll Joe. What's the one that's not, not uh, Colin Greavy anymore? Lavender the other Brown. one. What's his name? Dennis. Well, Colin. Nigel. Con- not Nigel. Nigel. I don't, know if not, I don't know if Colin will be there. Colin actually. won't be Why there. Why don't we kill Nigel? They kill yeah. Nigel? <laughs> Frankie? No, he no. says it so gleefully. Kill Neville. Don't. Kill Nigel. No, they probably will. Can they kill Colin Greavy? It's sad. His little body all limp. They have to pick him up with his camera all broken. They'll probably kill Colin now because it's no. sadder. You're going to have some random old lady at the studio being like, you can't kill a child in a children's movie. They're going to be like, uh-uh. And then no. they... It starts yeah, out with so a murder with Charity Burbage, so I mean, she's not it's a full child. You can kill as many adults as you want, but don't kill a child. You know what? Fred's dying. He's oh. too old. Okay, we're up to twenty-two. Okay, do we okay. do? Uh, Death Eaters. We need your teachers now. Bellatrix. Oh, we're doing Bellatrix. Death Eaters. Lucius Bellatrix. Voldemort. Voldemort. What, what, Creepy. Wait, wait, wait. Um, wait, 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 wait. We did get Lucius Bellatrix and Narcissa. Narcissa. Draco. Yeah. Ooh, Draco and his friends. Boyle. Uh, Crab. Boyle. Not, not Crab. Boyle and Blaze. Not Crab. Boyle. Not Crab. <laughs> Ironically, his name is Blaze. Yeah, let's say it. Say it. Yes. Jamie, Jamie Whaley will not be returned to Deathly Hollows. He has been asked not to return. Yeah. There. They, they, got, they got rid of Jamie and replaced him with a character named Blaze. But Blaze, Blaze existed cool. before. Okay. I thought it was Wait, just, just sort of a joke. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to do this, but... At, before but, I said we were up to 22, we had Lucius, Bellatrix, and Narcissa, right? We didn't yes. have Draco, Goyle, and Blaze. Right. Do you have Voldemort? I do now. Voldemort. What about Pansy Parkinson? Is she in that or did she oh. run away? I guess. I don't know. Pansy Let's was on her right now. Okay. Pansy She's was the one that stood up like, Potter's right there! And they're like, sit yeah. down, Pansy! Okay. We already had McGonagall, right? No, we didn't McGonagall. see McGonagall. Uh, Sprout's probably hiding somewhere. Sprout. No, she's not. Um, Flitwick. Flitwick. Snape. Snape. Oh, nope. Wait, no, Snape's Snape probably not dead. Snape. Yeah, but he's there in the you beginning. You think I'll give him the thing? Is he there? Until he runs away, you're right through the bat shape right. thing. You're right. Oh, the Caros. <laughs> the Caros. Whoever they are. Uh, do we have Slughorn? Do we have Slughorn now? Right. Any of the ghosts? Hagrid? Oh, they probably don't film right now. What Peeves? Are they going to have Peeves? We don't know. No. Peeves is, Peeves is not happening. Peeves doesn't exist have, in the movie world. I want, could, what's his name? Circadogan. You know? Oh, Circadogan. That'd be so much fun to see him. We're up to 32. We have 11 principals left. Principals. Okay. Uh, we're, did, we uh, get, did, you, did you get Lavender Brown? No. Good. Did you get Hagrid? Now I do. Hagrid. 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 And Grops. And then and we gotta props. get, um, you know, Warwick uh, Davis as, as Flitwick. Or I'm um, Flitwick and Grid- Griphook, though, right? Griphook isn't at Hogwarts, though. Oh, what about. Oh, so who's. is? Cr- There's no goblins there? No. Dobby. I don't think they ever, they ever chose uh, a side. Remus Stop and Dobby. Tonks. Dobby. Remus and Tonks. Remus and Tonks. Preacher, Remus, Tonks. Shacklebolt. Oh, Dobby's Shackle. dead. I forgot about that. Dobby wow. is dead. You're so mean. No, I didn't oh, mean that. I was like, wow, sorry. We'll bring up house um, again. <laughs> I reported this, but I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, Sh- uh, Sean Bickerstaff has been asked to come back for Oliver Wood. Yes. Yay. I love Seamus. continuity from the first Shame- movies. Yes, yeah, Seamus. Did, what, I, don't, I don't think I wrote that, Seamus. What about Angelina? Is Angelina coming back? 
Katie Bell, Katie Bell. I don't think they're principles, guys. I don't think these are principles. Karma okay. Klagen. Well, I'm trying to think who else. Okay, so we've got Voldemort. I'm trying to think who the big. Has anybody thought to look at the cast list? Argus Belby. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but, but people like, you know, like Rita's not Argus around. Filch, Argus Filch, Madame Pomfrey. Yeah. Filch and Argus. Pomfrey, yeah. Filch will be around. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And Pomfrey Filch. Emma Jones. Yeah, she's so. Them both. Yaxley. That oh, weird with teacher ears. with That's the a purple hat that we never know. know what she teaches. <laughs> uh, the arithmetic lady. Uh, the, um, Fenrir. Fenrir. Yeah, great back. Oh, the oh. I can't wait till he the dies, centaur. man. That's when I want to see die. Die, Fenrir. But the centers aren't principles. Principles, principles, principles. Well, right. What are we up to, Millie? We're getting it? close, right? Three, four, five, six, seven. We, yeah, we, I, I think we're past 43 now. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Well, we probably can count as some people that, that wouldn't be, like you said, that wouldn't be principal. Because, like, obviously David Bradley's going to be considered principal. It's all Filch and stuff. It's David Bradley. Filch, y'all. But, like, maybe Katie Bell would not be considered. I don't the Dursleys. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Dursleys. What are we doing here? Get out of here. <laughs> what happened to Kingsley? I thought he was taking care of us. You know that the I, think, Dursleys... I think that's it, guys. I think we're. St- I think. Uh, I think that's it. Can you imagine? I hope they do a group photo of this shoot before they even start or something. Just as you know, I mean, imagine what that's like walking out on that set today with that. Oh, like a group photo. Uh, oh man, better. You can't tell me that they're not later, doing like, like filming major behind the scenes like documentary back in the, stuff like in right the future now. When Dan's son is recording a, a movie and he can bring out this picture and be uh, like, oh, "This is before your parents died," and he's like, "But Dad, I'm not dead." <laughs> Wait, what? I don't know. <laughs> so random, Frankie. Thank you. <laughs> it, I was supposed to. I realized that I, I messed up because I was thinking it was like when Sirius yeah. showed Harry the picture of the order. Right. And so it's like, oh, it's like the order, and then I realized that wasn't Harry. That's Harry's dad. That was his godfather. And yeah. So I messed it all up. Derailed halfway through. I'm so embarrassed I, for you. Should be. <laughs> Uh, but do you guys agree though it'd be criminal if they're not filming some like oh. behind the scenes documentary footage oh. of all of this absolutely. oh they better it'd be absolutely criminal not even just, okay I can't even imagine but this is gonna take several months to film this whole I mean there's so many little things that goes on you know right. just the Molly just the Molly um, ah, Bellatrix Molly confrontation Bellatrix. can oh. you imagine what, what all they're doing together right now like, when they're not filming that all them just hanging out like <laughs> wow they probably have like so much good food on the set right now and no, just uh, imagine that talent, though. I mean, just they're the probably talent. like playing video games and like Twister and eating candy. <laughs> I really, I'm really seeing <laughs> Alan Rickman playing, playing Twister. Uh huh. Yes. <laughs> Spin the bottle. Uh, Him and his okay, eyes are uh, playing wait, Twister. If they're uh-huh. filming the the Battle of Hogwarts part, maybe Snape isn't on set because the Battle of Hogwarts part, where everybody's together, it's not Snape. Yeah. Well, Snape's all like, "I got eaten by a snake." Yeah, see, that's why I but thought he might. The Battle of Hogwarts starts with Snape and McGonagall. That's when it yes, starts. Yes, but I'm talking about filming a scene where you need 43 people. You never right. need Snape in a room with 43 people in this movie. Right. Yeah. Maybe he just wanted to hang out. You know, there's yeah, probably sure. all of his I'm friends. Sure. He's sure. like, these are all my friends. Yeah, I want to play hopscotch with these people. During- it just has to be really sad when they get together to film. I mean, they've gone from day one here and they're getting together to film. The final battle, you know, it's they the same, meeting same on the train, hall. meeting at the train station, meeting at Hogwarts, and 
the first look from Snape to Harry, and now we're now we're getting to the that. giant battle. Uh, I want to cry and throw up at the same time. <laughs> me too, actually. It's like sad. take. Look at me. Um. It has been a 35-minute news segment, so I think oh, we dear. need to move on. That yes. sounds like a oh, show. No. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. Uh, well, we'll see you guys in the next portion of the show. Whatever that will be. I'm a ghost. Welcome to another segment of Potter Pundits. This is Travis Prinzi here to introduce you to what you're about to hear. This is the second part of a two-part conversation we had on gothic elements in Harry Potter. The first segment was included in Pottercast 206. It's Halloween time, and it's time to talk about scary stories. This part of our conversation explores more of the gothic themes that pervade Harry Potter, but in it we also talk a bit about other great gothic writers, Anne Radcliffe, Edgar Allan Poe, and H.P. Lovecraft, for example. Great literature reminds you of great literature, and throughout this conversation, Harry Potter kept reminding us of other excellent Gothic stories we'd read. Take these as recommendations for further reading in Gothic literature. Your Potter pundits are John Granger, author of the Deathly Hallows Lectures, James W. Thomas, author of Repotting Harry Potter, fantasy and science fiction scholar Amy H. Sturgis, and myself, Travis Prinzi, author of Harry Potter and Imagination. For more information on the pundits, please visit us. We created an information site, potterpundits.com, just to learn more about us, and we'll be posting some additional information there for those interested in learning more about Gothic literature. And stay tuned, of course, to pottercast.com, where all the action is, where I'll be posting more later this week. We pick up the conversation, continuing a discussion of which Gothic elements in Harry Potter are meant to be just parody, and uh, where Gothic elements are meant to be taken much more seriously. Uh, we hope you enjoy this, and look forward to further discussion with you. When Amy said that, that it's not like uh, Austin, there's, there's at least one point where she does a, she does a real hat tip to the... Uh, the scene in Northanger Abbey where Morland finds this in, in her gothic manner late at night, she finds this, which seems to be secret handwriting and she's, she can barely sleep because she wants to know what this thing is. And right. Amy starts to laugh because what it is in the morning, this dangerous document is a laundry list. Now, um, and, and now that, but that whole book is, is largely an echo of Radcliffe's The Romance of the Forest. And she, she had tips that all through the book. Um, and yet you're, you get this playful mockery about it. And we see that in Prisoner of Azkaban when we see the Grim, you know, that Harry sees this, this dog that's, that, that's the death omen. And all through the book we get this, this – uh, what in a gothic novel would be this death omen, this horrible thing. And, of course, it turns out to be his godfather. Well, we um, get a heavy dose of it every time we go to divination class too. Trelawney is the yeah. embodiment of that, <laughs> the, the mockery of it all. Is that prisoner also the also the book where he, he's sorting through the Death Omen books and comes across the Broken Balls book? Is that is that prisoner? Am I getting that right? Yeah, Broken yeah, it Balls. Is. So there's some humor going on there. He's <laughs> looking over Death Omens, and that kind of fits with that as well. Now, Amy said in her introductory material that Gothic literature becomes popular during times of social upheaval. Do we see that happening with Harry Potter? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Everybody like, who wants to start is the question. What is stable about the postmodern world? I mean, this this is obviously, and our culture is permeated with the Gothic. Just as Amy said, you turn on the television and it's and it's it's Buffy, and you turn on, you, you look at the the bookshelf, and you got Harry Potter and Twilight selling more than anything else. I mean, you have all sorts of paranormal Gothic fiction really uh, taking the forefront in a time when people 
do feel terror. Not not horror necessarily, but just the the uh, uncanny feeling that the things aren't stable and that, and that there's something just around the corner that's very frightening. In terms of the power dynamic, the way she sets up uh, the idea that there's there's people who haven't been represented, who haven't been treated right, um, who are in these positions of of powerlessness, whether it's you know the the lupins of the world who uh, are are having to to deal with all of the the regulations and and prejudices about werewolves to uh, people like um, well the giants who've been driven off of their land and and almost driven to extinction you've got um the, the way that uh, uh, you know the goblins have been treated, you've got the way that the house elves have been treated. Certainly, the, the re- reoccurring theme, even the people that Harry chooses to to befriend, you know the the mudbloods and and the Weasleys, the mudblood lovers, right? The poor mud mudblood lovers. You know, if you look at all of that and what she's saying about groups that have been disenfranchised in one way or another, and you know that she's worked, you know, with organizations that have have dealt with prisoners of conscience and and, uh, people whose, you know, um, civil liberties have been abused in one way or another. And then you look at the way she paints the Ministry of Magic, which I always like to point out, you know, you've got the little brother motif and here you've got the big mom, the Ministry of Magic. You know, she's, she's saying a lot of things about the to- our times today, the things that bother her about our times, she seems to think that we're at a position of upheaval uh, as well. But also, to turn that around, uh, a time of upheaval can also be uh, a time of um, tremendous opportunity to do something about it. So, And I wonder, especially as you're thinking about the timeline of the books, I mean, you've got four books just came flying out up until 2000. Then you've got 2001 when September 11th happened, and then you've got another two-year uh, period, and then you've got the darkest book by far of the series, which we, of course, know alchemically is because it had to be, but I wonder how much influence the sudden world situation had on the portrayal of the ministry in that book and mm-hmm. the, the constant fear that was gathering with very few really knowing how deep that fear and threat actually was. Um, I, I think you put your finger on it, Travis. In people's experience of the book, when you have you know before two thousand and one, who knew anything about Osama bin Laden? But after after the attacks of, two, of September eleventh, Voldemort, when we read Order of the Phoenix, seems to be cast in this terrorist mode where we can't find them, we don't know where they are, and everyone's is afraid. And some people are denying that they're really as dangerous as they are, etc. I mean, the filter. On our perception, the books changed tremendously. I mean, uh, you know, I think it's really significant that it is the third book that uh, "Broken Balls" incident you mentioned. That book title, Travis, that's where the unnamed uh, store manager has that conversation with Harry because Harry can't stop looking at death omens. What to do when you know the worst is coming? Uh, mm-hmm. Well, it is coming. <laughs> and I, 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 talk, I tell my students sometimes, how many ways can we find out how we might die this day just by tuning in Fox or CNN <laughs> in the morning? And, and I, I, we, we, we brainstormed one day and I said, you know, what are some death omens? What, what, what do people fear? So, so the kids start, you know, terror attacks, WMDs, West Nile virus, bird flu. Of course, now we could add swine flu and E. coli on lettuce leaves and, 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 and lead in, in toys from China. It, it, it never ends. But it's also striking that everything we thought of collectively in class that day was post-2001. Uh, 
That's right. And, and, and boy, you, you can just go on and on on that list. Um, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just so much of- about fear. It, 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 terror and fear, and I don't know about the interrelationship between the two, but you, a character's attitude toward death or something after death, uh, it pretty much defines what he will fear and to what extent he or she will fear something, I think, throughout the series. Well, that's, I mean, that's the whole story is based on that's how it. two people respond it. to death. How Voldemort responds to death and how Harry responds to death. Exactly. You heard me say in Dallas once near the end of my talk, Travis, I was embarrassed. And I said, "What? I'm trying to convince people that these are are wonderful literary works. And and I come up with, it's they're for love and against fear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but back back to Gothic formula, Voldemort, you talked about his reaction to death. He's the, the classic Victorian Gothic scientist that wants... To uh, overcome death by creating a creature that has no conscience. I mean, he is Mr. Hyde. He is Frankenstein's monster. He's, he's this creature without conscience, again, like Count Dracula, that he's basically the undead because he has his, he has his body and his, his mind, his reason – uh, but as Anne Tracy says, reason is the last thing you want to count on in a gothic novel because it's, it's going to all come down to your conscience and your spirit. And when you realize that there's no life without that conscience or spirit, then you're going to, have to, you're going to, have to either kill this character, which is this, this undead person who has no conscience, or you're going to have to gain one suddenly. And then this book is largely, as, as Travis said, Harry's pursuit of love and conscience and doing the hard right thing versus Voldemort's becoming, what do you call him, an idol maker. He literally creates things by injecting his soul fragments into material things, thinking that's going to make him live forever. Um, he becomes the, the, the quintessential materialist um, who's, who, without conscience, who is murdering people right and left in order to create means to his own ego's immortality. In terms of the gothic touches in the book, Voldemort is clearly the gothic masterpiece in that he embodies so many of the gothic traditions you know, single-handedly. And he acts as this foil to Harry. Harry, Harry and Voldemort, through their mind link, which is, a, which is a, I think, a Dracula reference, right? That, that Mina Harker drinks his blood, and so they have, they have this uh, mind link between the gothic heroine With and... With a scar and, and everything. That's right, the scar on the forehead. Um, but that, that uh, link there is to say one of, only one of these characters, as the prophet says, can survive. Um, you, can't, you can't do both of these things. You can't choose to be a materialist and an idol worshiper and a murderer and also say, you know, God is love and I'm, I'm spirit and conscience and I make the hard choices. I mean, you, you really have to make a divide there. Are you Harry or are you with Voldemort? Uh, and, and the victory of the story, of course, is that, you know, you, everybody chooses to be with Harry. No. Mentioning that, you just made me think of something. I, if I could just throw it in real quickly, because it's um, the uh, uh, another notion of of sort of mind control or possession, the same way that that Harry was uh, afraid of of what Voldemort was able to to accomplish against him, um, is uh, Trilby which was uh, George de Maillet's book in 1894, which was a huge hit. He was the father of the author of Rebecca and the Birds, Daphne de Maillet, um, whose, whose works are, are modern-day Gothic masterpieces. But in uh, Trilby, it's the story of essentially a, a man who um, uh, controls the mind of a, of a young woman. If you read Trilby. The the title refers to the young woman, um, but the man who is is described in it. If you read his description, 
it's Snape. Svengali is his name, and the the way Svengali is uh, is described um, with the long, lanky, dark hair, uh, black hair, and the black eyes, and um, uh, deep set. And if you just read the description of it, it's it's Severus Snape, which is really interesting too, because there's a way she's inverting your expectations uh, again. Um, but uh, just it just struck me that's a, a connection that I haven't seen made before that I think is really. Uh, I reread it recently, and I thought, oh my goodness, that's Severus Snape. So. Um, well, Snape, Snape may be the quintessential Gothic character in the books in that he, he seems mm-hmm. to be a cross between four or five Gothic antiheroes. I mean, clearly he's Heathcliff in terms of his relationship with Lily. I mean, there's this, right. this, this, this unrequited love that goes on forever and just makes, it makes him more and more bitter and angry. I mean, it's his love. It's always I'm with Lily or whatever, but it doesn't make him any nicer of a guy. He's still this you know, sadist in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he hates Harry. I mean, he expresses frustration. He's lived his whole life to save Harry and now Dumbledore is going to kill him. Um, but he doesn't say, you know, I won't do it. You know, <laughs> the feeling that he'd be first in line now that it's time to kill Harry, they'll let him have it. But, well, I think he's, he's, he's clearly uh, um, a scientist who's also uh, that's an accomplished scientist, much like Frankenstein, much like uh, Dracula is actually an alchemist. Count Dracula is actually an alchemist. And we, when we first meet Snape in the cauldron, this is not a Trelawney-type cartoon figure. He is a man who's able to stop her death. We find out later. I mean, this this guy actually can do. He can deliver on these things in his subterranean uh, dungeon where he where he works his miracles. Um, he is a very serious science that, that scientist that understands the fabric of reality. His, his very life heavy, is, very heavy strain of that in Hawthorne with Aylmer and the birthmark and Doctor Rappaccini and other scientist yes. figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a big piece of the Gothic is that is is it's the romantic reaction against mm-hmm. scientism at least not not mm-hmm. science per se but this idea that we're going to create a world without conscience without love and that it's going to be a better place because we're going to have you know better sanitation yeah <laughs> um, that this this is uh, you know we're, we're going to have immunizations and that's going to mean that we're going to be better people the yeah. romantics seem to be saying we want character we want uh, truth and goodness and beauty. Uh, which aren't things you're going to be able to manipulate materially. If you want a 14-line example of where you were just going, uh, check out Poe's Sonnet to Science with that misleading title that sounds like it's going to be a poem of tribute. Uh, Science is a vulture whose wings are dull realities. (laughs) Sonnet to Science. James, James, you're the Poe guy. Can you you say some things about the pale blue eye? I mean, when I – when – we open up Deathly Hallows, and Harry looks on. He's on the bed, and he sees that mirror fragment, and there's a pale blue eye looking up at him. I thought, "Oh my goodness!" You're thinking uh, of the Telltale Heart, I take it, the right. old man, the old man and his eye. Uh, Can you tell the story? The, I mean, the eyes in Poe, when they're embodied <laughs> (pun intended) in a beautiful woman, are often large, luminous orbs of dark hue. Uh, language like that. And the early 20th century Freudian critics, of course, would predictably have a field day with regard to his early loss of his mother, who the, the only miniature painting of her that survives. Her eyes are very, very large indeed. But the other uses of eyes and, and the, the obsession with trying not to be looked at or to destroy an eye, these often in male figures, uh, not necessarily evil male figures, sometimes like the old man in Telltale Heart, quite innocent and kindly male figures, but uh, the, the eye of the black cat that he cuts out. It's it's just sort of this, don't look at me, because the narrator uh, has all kinds of uh, problems, shortcomings. Uh, uh, Poe wouldn't use the word, but, you know, he's he's obsessed with his own sins, and and, and take the eye away, don't look at me. 
So the I is conscience, you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so in, in those better known ones, Black Cat, Telltale Heart. It seems that that's uh, at least a, one very likely interpretation of it, which is uh, usually not perceived at all by the narrator, but we assume uh, are uh, designed by Poe. That gap between Poe and those increasingly unreliable and eventually deranged narrators is another subject entirely. But Amy, what what is that in the Gothic tradition? Is there much of that uh, disconnect between, uh, or, or, or an evolution in a narrator in a in a Gothic work that he, <laughs> we're convinced he's sane and under control initially, and then he kind of falls apart before our, our very eyes because Poe does that a lot. I the bet husband. you want to talk oh. about Shadow over In's mouth, don't you? <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> where I was going. All you right. Know me very well. <laughs> All right. Um, well, and that's appropriate too because H.P. Lovecraft was uh, uh, a, a student student of and great admirer of Poe. So um, it, that fit that he, he used that as well. But the narrator who, who begins, well, Lovecraft was all about um, his, his concern about entropy, that things were falling apart. And he did this really well by describing characters, uh, entire families that had become disreputable, that had become um, warped and uh, the great qualities they once had were gone, and now they were basically um, demented in one way or another. And actually, the Gaunts in yeah. Harry Potter are the perfect example of them. But you also have characters who get into that, discover their background, and, and Shadow over Innsmouth is the is the great example there, where the character is sort of thrown into this mystery, and he seems perfectly sane, but the more he discovers about the horrors going around him, he discovers, A, um, they're horrible, uh, B, that they're related to him in ways he didn't realize, would never have imagined, and C, he's not going to be sane uh, once he, he gets to the bottom of things. Uh, in fact, a lot of characters characters uh, in, in Lovecraft's um, works choose to know, even though they know uh, that they realize that, that what they will discover will destroy them. They'd still rather know and be destroyed than, uh, than be ignorant and fearful of the unknown. And then there's other um, stories in which, uh, and I'm thinking like The Color Out of Space that Lovecraft did, mm -hmm, yeah. um, and there's other, other authors that Lovecraft admired who were doing the same kind of thing at the time, where... Um, by the end, you're really not certain if you've just been spun a really entertaining tale by a crazy person or if you've just been told a very factual tale by someone who is incredibly sane <laughs> and you're probably going to lose your sanity <laughs> when, when it really hits you what you've just been told. And isn't this what Harry's – this is the story of books five and six, right? I mean Harry's battle all the way through five is am I – Possessed by Voldemort, am I going to end up like him, yep. and, and all the way through? And then, what does Dumbledore do? Instead of keeping him from Voldemort, he he corrects his mistake and spends all of Book Six teaching him the whole history. Here's the history of, and then we find out in Book Seven, by the way, Harry, you're descended from the same line, Peverell's and down. Uh, so the reality was there, and Harry's facing the history of of the Voldemort family line and choosing the good instead of the dehumanized Voldemort path. Uh, is this, it's the same sort of story, and clearly this, wanting this, this, to know all along, wanting yeah. to know. You know? This, mm -hmm. this is a exactly. real 
this is a I think Amy mentioned this earlier. This is a real Gothic signature that we have this decay of aristocratic privilege and the rise of the bourgeoisie. We see we see between the the Weasleys, who are kind of middle class people with a lot of kids. I guess they're supposed to be an Irish Catholic family, even though they're not Irish or Catholic. Um, the Malfoys, on the other hand, are this family, sort of the, the embodiment of primogeniture. That they have this one child, and it's all their hopes rest, and they're about wealth and prestige, and they're in decay. Consequently, they, their, their, their morality and their their character is somehow atrophying, and and they're a, a family that's that's in decline, if only because they only have one child. Which brings us back to Merope Gaunt, which, and and the whole Gaunt family saga, which is really Voldemort's origin story, and that comes from Thackeray's Vanity Fair, in which the House of Gaunt literally is the place where the, where the family is cursed by a dark mark on their threshold and the mysterious taint of blood, which uh, in in Vanity Fair brings the Gaunts down from great height, their their uh, nobility in decline. And we see this as, as kind of the war going on inside Harry Potter between the Death Eaters, who are these pure blood, you know, nutters um, that are this, this family in decline, fighting off this vibrant new, you know, even their blood traders. The, the Weasleys are the future. Uh, the Weasleys uh, and their friends are taking over. These Gryffindor types are not the the uh, pure bloods. Again, gothic to the core, uh, aristocracy in decline. The Dunwich Horror is another example that fits exactly what you're saying, where you have um, this this family that's that's in decline, and there's always the fear of what intermarriage is doing to the line, which fits beautifully with the the whole notion that really there's no pure blood wizards anymore in the wizarding world. But if if the Malfoys and their ilk had their way, you're going to have a much much shallower uh, you know gene pool to be pulling from. What's going to happen when you know when they've essentially bred themselves out? Now you've all reminded me of Faulkner and the uh, aristocracy in decline and the Compson family. And Faulkner's a great Southern Gothic author. Oh, absolutely. There. And there, the uh, the intermarriage is so parallel with the with the mudbloods and purebloods and so forth that one drop of black blood is pretty much what Absalom Absalom is all about: a father's rejection of a wife and son because of a very slight amount of black blood. Don't get me started on Faulkner, though. Please. <laughs> how, how, about, how about I throw out gothic cliches and you guys you come up with this? How about fragmentation and reunion? I mean, all all the great gothic stories, you know, feature breakups and then kind of a miraculous end of story reunion where the gothic heroine is rescued or whatever. Uh, I mean, my, my just to get you get this started, my rather than just challenge you all, like you know, name that fragmentation <laughs> and reunion, or whatever. <laughs> um, that, that, that the, the saddest parts of the books are when the trio break up, uh, when yeah. for whatever reason Harry, Ron, and Hermione aren't together, and then there's the joyous return. Even if the joyous return in Deathly Hallows is you know not so joyous on Hermione's part or whatever, it, it, it's essential to that whole the whole working of that book that Ron take off and come back newly illumined. There's there's the uh, his reunion with his parents. He has. three I mean, his parents are dead, and, and Rowling tells us we're never gonna. There's never gonna be a reunion with Harry and his parents, and yet we get to see them in the mirror bearer said, and then we get to meet them in the goblet graveyard, and then Harry walks to his own death with mom and dad holding his hand. I mean, we have I mean, th- that gothic touch. 
is one of the nicest things in this this orphan mm-hmm. story. So how about how about the epilogue is a reunion of peace traveling to Hogwarts? I mean, the last time we see Hogwarts, everything's falling apart. There's a big battle. You see the fall of the the bad guy, and then 19 years later, they're all back together. There's no war going on, and they're sending their kids off to Hogwarts, which is something of a joyous return uh, after uh, after a traumatic battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that's. I mean, it has to end that way in a way because. Otherwise, our last look at, at uh, King's Cross Station is with this very gothic baby struggling on the floor, screaming that cannot be helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, to me, is up there with the uh, you know, Harry in the forest with Voldemort, you know, suck, you know, drinking unicorn blood. Yeah. Is right. this soul mm-hmm. fragment on the ground screaming that Harry keeps looking to try to help, and Dumbledore's like, "Oh no, no." Another one um, would be the Weasley family becoming whole again when Percy comes back into the fold. Oh, um, wow. Before they have this this tragic loss, they are uh, they are once more the Weasleys in unison facing everything together. And I think that was so important because that schism, you know, lasted for a couple of books, and you just you know felt that niggling at you that um, that you had. This family that had stood together for against so much um, had been uh, torn apart, and the fact that they came together again when it mattered most, um, I think, it's really important. Yeah, yeah it's a beautiful, beautiful touch. It really is. I, I, for whatever reason, Molly always has the same number of sons. Just about as Harry becomes a son, Percy has drifted away. When Percy comes back, Fred is gone soon thereafter. Mm-hmm. And people, people were telling me that, that Fred's death was you know, the most horrible moment for them in Deathly Hallows, which, and I was arguing that, that Dobby's death was the one that is the real tearjerker. <laughs> oh. Yes, that, it is. I think, the, I think the reason that Fred's death isn't that horrific is that he is fighting side by side with Percy as he dies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that, they're, that they're literally joking and laughing together in this common cause. You think, what could be a, a finer death for a Weasley? You know, I'm tearing up just thinking about it. I mean, it doesn't at all strike as the horror of, of Dobby returning to the house of Malfoy, the house of Malfoy, you know, Malfoy Manor being, you know, this 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 place of bad faith, quite literally, um, and his own slavery for all those right, years. Right, right, and, and and he comes back to the dungeon, whatever. I mean, talk about a gothic scene, right? The, the heroine being tortured upstairs. You know, Tavi appears literally with with light. I mean, this this is a great gothic scene. And then, of course, he takes a knife in the chest. I mean, sacrificially, and he dies with Harry's name on his lips. I mean, this is Anne Radcliffe plus. This is this is the Castle of Otranto on steroids. Oh, and can I? have a delayed reaction moment uh going back to your question about uh snape and um the great gothic uh bad guys um Please. <laughs> i was trying to mine in in my uh you know slowly uh functioning gray matter here um the one that that came out to me beside uh, using the Trilby example, um, was uh, from The Italian or The Confessional of the Black Penitents by Anne Radcliffe, which was 1797. And the the great villain, who you end up feeling quite sympathetic for at the end, although he's horrible, is Scadoni. And he's the the kind of mysterious monk who's always in the background, and you know he's he's playing politics. He's playing one side against the other. You're never sure which side he's on. And he follows across the country um, Elena, who's he's 
it seems he's well he's kidnapped her he torments her and in the end you realize that he's going to save her life and he ends up dead by the end and he's this dark brooding figure that is uh, incredibly threatening and incredibly astute in the way he plays characters off of each other and the, his whole sort of transformation to end up being the, the protector of the heroine is, is an interesting thing. And it, certainly a, a protector um, who doesn't want to be a protector, uh, it's, it's unwilling to. But it struck me that, that um, Skidoni is a great villain of, of Anne Radcliffe's, and he's got Snape written all over him. That's great, because that's, that's much more part of the story than the Heathcliff angle, which we only find out at the very end of the books. Mm-hmm. True. Look, we're an hour in and we still haven't talked about Horcruxes, we haven't talked about Dementors. I mean, there are so many gothic elements of this that we haven't even begun to to touch on. What about uh, pictures of dehumanization? What about Horcruxes? I mean, we, there's a history of that. Tolkien traces the history in, in on fairy stories from all the way back to the tale of the two brothers, uh, the old Egyptian tale to George MacDonald's The Giant's Heart, and just this idea. And, that, and then to Rowling does it blatantly, doesn't she, in... Um, What's the fairy tale that she writes? The the warlock's hairy heart. This concept that we can protect ourselves from being hurt by encasing part of what makes us human in something else. And that's a very Mm -hmm. gothic theme, that we can get away from fear, we can get away from pain, we can get away from everything that we normally experience by taking what is essential to our humanity and separating it from ourselves. And that that hairy heart story is probably the, the most concentrated gothic piece that she does. So, well, wow, we've talked about a lot of different uh, stories today, a lot of literature, and, and it might be a little bit overwhelming to some readers. Why don't we have Amy give us a few – give the pundits out there a few reading assignments if you want to get more familiar with Gothic literature and see how uh, Rowling has borrowed and taken and transformed Gothic elements of past literature. Where would you send people to get reading? Well, several have already been mentioned. Um, certainly, um, Charlotte Bronte's Jane Eyre is a great one. That's the Victorian – um, incarnation of the Gothic. Uh, going back earlier, I think Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley, Frankenstein or The Last Man, really great works. Um, I would also suggest, um, which you can find online, uh, J. Sheridan Lafanu's Carmilla, which predated uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula um, by a number of years and is a fantastic vampire story um, about a, a young adolescent girl uh, who is uh, basically endangered by a vampire. Really, really good stuff. Uh, contemporary stuff, I don't think it gets better than Neil Gaiman's The Graveyard Book, which just won um, both the Newbery Award and the Hugo Award uh, this past year, uh, and which is the way I'm ending my class that I'm currently teaching on the Gothic imagination. And certainly any of the old classics, Melmoth the Wanderer, Vathek the Monk, Mysteries of Udolfo, the Italian, all the way back to Castle of Otranto. I know several of these are available uh, actually free in audiobook versions from LibriVox.org as well as uh, online text from Project Gutenberg as well. All right, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't mention Lovecraft. I'm stunned. <laughs> oh, that's just that's just blanket reading for anyone, gothic or otherwise. <laughs> Read yourself some H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> good, good, good stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you all for being with us. Great conversation and, and lots to think about. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure getting to be a special guest with you gentlemen. Well, we hope you're going to come Thanks. back. We're, we're, I was going to say, Amy, this is just your first appearance on yeah, the show. Exactly. You're, you're, you're Potter Pundits Plus here. So, do you know what Halloween is? 
No. That's the day Harry This year is the 28th. Well, it's the 28th anniversary of their death. Oh. Today, Harry would be 29 years old. Harry and I would be the same age. I would have been in the same class and house as Luna. How awesome is that? Would you have made moves on her, Frankie? Yes. He would have. That's all we I am. talking about. <laughs> He's of like, course. yes. <laughs> He's like, how dare you say yes. <laughs> I would I'll pull the Titanic that I would be like, let me draw you, Luna. <laughs> oh. Yeah, okay. I'd be in Harry's class. Or or he'd be he'd be one year uh, behind me. I'd he'd be, be in your class. Year. No, uh-huh. I'd be a seventh year and he'd be a sixth. So you'd be like Cho? Yeah, he, she would, you'd be Cho's year. I'd be Cho's year. Like Cho. mm. And you'd yep. be one of the Gryffindors... Like that were smarter than the Ravenclaw, and she'd be all pissy. And you'd be like, I hate her. <laughs> ah. Well, thank you. Oh, that's very nice, Frank. Well, I think you're smart. Oh, all right. Can I talk for a minute about the, all no. this music that's coming no. out this, this week from Leaky this month? This please do, year? please. Okay, no. let me explain to you the difference between creating the Jingle Spell CD and creating the Leaky Con CD. Oh. When we create the LeakyCon live CD, every band had like five tracks. And so now the guy who's mixing the tracks doesn't have just 30 songs to kind of tweak the levels on. He's got 30 songs, each of which have five tracks. So we're dealing with a giant, enormous, huge, much more bit of work, which is why this is taking so long. However, it is almost done. It is almost being produced. It will be out in time for Jingle Spells 3, which is also being produced. So look in the next month on Leaky for a lot of great holiday music you can buy. And we are going to have a massive um, packing party the first week of December to oh. get them all out to you in time. Are you going to be able to offer combined shipping on those two CDs? Uh, yes. That'll make it worth it. Here. Hmm? That'll make it worth it for the people that wait for the leaky con thing to have free so. shipping on Jingle Spell. And the reason I haven't emailed those people yet, for those of you who are listening to this, is because I want to have a more specific ship date for you um, when I email you the date uh, about about the delay. But thank you for being patient. Those of you who have been, please be assured that the results will be worth it and that your all your your money goes towards a very good cause. So awesome! There. I can't wait. I'm excited for Jingle Spells too. Very excited. It's Jingle Spells three. It's Jingle Spells three, actually. So we, oh, uh, we did the, oh. joke, the same joke in the next same time. I beat you, Doodle. Punch you in the face through this microphone. You're we didn't sing. We me. still should do a little song. We need to do the four of us need to do a little thing. I'm still gonna. Hold and we can think of some sort of like Christmas Carol that involves like four things, and we can just twist them into the houses and make them all like stereotypical um. about the houses. Would be hilarious. We four kings. <gasps> we four houses. I was giving the ghost earlier in the show if anybody caught on. I was going, I caught a little ghost. Ghost. Do you do that at work, Frankie? Do you make little voices at work? Not no, yet. Not <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. want to scare everyone away. Yet. Frankie is probably like serious businessman Frankie who doesn't joke around yet because he's all like, uh... No, I think that's my downfall. I, I think because I joke around too much, people, when they can take me seriously, they're like, oh. Because like when I when I, I was interning at Jim Henson a few times this past month, and when I had lunch with the lady and my friend who got me the thing, she was like, I was a little nervous at first when we, when we hired you because... Um, we're, it's really quiet office. 
I was like, what? <laughs> She's like, I thought you were you're going to be too loud, or you'd get really bored out of your mind. And I'm like, no, I just when I when I'm hanging out with my friends and lunch and stuff, I just I can be a little silly, but I I, I know how to turn it off. It was just Aww. so I'm like, oh no, do people see me like that? Like, oh yep. doodles. <laughs> And and when you and when you are quiet, I'm I'm just worried that you're like, either really ticked off or really upset about something, <laughs> like the whole first week of tour. Uh, I already talked to you about that. That was nothing but you. Guys. I know. John. Oh, ooh, ooh, oh, go ahead. Ooh, I forgot to tell you guys something. I just remembered it. It's totally unrelated and just popped into my head. Oh, I love I, that. I remember our whole giant discussion about haggis. Oh yeah. I recently tried um, blood pudding. Ew. Oh why? god, I don't even think I could try blood pudding. It was not very good. I mean, it wasn't, but I wasn't grossed out. It was just oh. something I just, I don't care for. But I don't think it was absolutely I don't disgusting. know why that people think that needs to be food. <laughs> I don't understand either. I don't understand It's like congealed blood and like granola or something. Isn't and oatmeal. Something it's blood and oatmeal. And uh, I cannot believe I tried it, honestly. But I wouldn't even feed that to my animals. I was in Scotland recently. I had and animals. I, and, I, and, I, and it was in front of me and it, it was Vampires said, you know, yeah, might as well ever call and be like, sure, yummy granola. Vampires like it. Because <laughs> it's I can't remember, just remembered. I'm sorry, I just remembered. I just wanted to tell you that because I know we've, we've had many discussions about that on podcast, so I thought it would be a fun little tidbit. That sounds like something the Collins would eat to keep them regular. Ew, John. John. What? <sighs> so gross. John, what are you dressing up as Halloween <sighs> as? Because last year we were together, this year we are not. I want to know what your costume is going to be. I know, last year oh, we geez. were in New York for Halloween. We were. Oh my God! That's right. Weird. Yes, but what are you going to be this I, year? That party we went to. I know. Oh. It was awesome. It was fun. You were like a little genie man. Yeah. Oh, was I? You were like oh, Alibaba. Right. Yeah. I don't know who you were. I think I was Aladdin. Was Aladdin. Yeah, yeah, you were yeah. Aladdin. Uh, and I was. I'm being Bob. Nobody. Bobby Ray Cyrus. What? Or Stewart. Bobby Ray Stewart. No, Robbie Ray Stewart. That's his name. Who's that? He's the dad on Hannah Montana. You're doing Hannah Montana, are you? That's creepy, John. Well, we were gonna do the uh, the Mickey's Trick or Treat thing at Disneyland. Oh. So we needed uh, Disney costumes. It's not Disney. It's Disney Channel. No, it's not Disney. Don't give them that much credit. But Hannah Montana, John. That's fine. It's fine. That, but that's also Miley Cyrus, who doesn't do anything unless her boyfriend says. <laughs> that's right. Sorry. Thank you, Miley Cyrus. Sorry, did I say that out loud? Maybe it was just in my head. Oh, okay. No. It must have been. Oh, so it's a bad role model. Okay, I'm you sure are going to get Sorry. spammed. I don't care. Such a bad role model. Get Ooh. your head in the game. Stop oh, thanks, it, John. John. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the Raven one? Go get the Raven one. <laughs> I have to find it. Do you know, by the way, I've discovered because I've, I've played over the past month to kind of chill my brain out and turn it off once in a while. I spent about an hour a week or something playing World of Warcraft. What, Melissa? I swear to God. When Josh did you start this? It. I did. I started about a month ago. What are you? Josh, I'm a, I'm a something. I don't know. I don't know these things well. I'm a thing with a bow. I don't know. You're a hunter, but are you a human? An elf? What? An elf. You're an elf? Are you a blood elf or a yes. night elf? Horde. You're a horde. You're a blood elf. Yes. They are sure. beautiful. You are a blood elf hunter? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, you're such a nerd. Yes, that's why I play with Josh, but I play, like... It's it's a great way to, it's a great way to sort of turn your mind off when you've been going for nineteen hours and you just need to chill out a minute, you know? Yeah. And there are monsters in it called Ravenclaw. No, there's not. I swear oh, to God. Man. What? They're called Ravenclaw. Where are I swear. You? What land are you in? And Warner Brothers is not suing them. Sorry. It's called Ravenclaw. I was. 
What's Ravenclaw? Where, wait, where there are, are monsters in World of Warcraft called Ravenclaw. What do they look like? Okay. Ravenclaw, and then there's a bunch of different kinds of them. What do they look like? Are they harpies? They're they're like zombie looking things. Zombies? Creepy. But are they like birds yeah. though? I mean, why would they be called Ravenclaw? Are they bird like? I mean, I don't know anything about this game, so. I think they just used the name. I don't know. I'll look it up. Hold on a second. Ravenclaw. Ravens do have claws. Uh, Thule Ravenclaw. There's a character named Thule Ravenclaw. There's a Ravenclaw band. Wow. Um, hold on, I'll tell you in a second. There's a, there's the Raven's Claw, which is an actual claw of a raven, so that's different. Um, Ravenclaw band as an item. What level are you? Um, I think it's like a thresher or something. No, hold on a second. I used to play that a couple years ago, and I, I haven't played it in a really long time, but it's a lot of fun. I There's a know. Ravenclaw slave, a Ravenclaw regent. I'm just looking stuff up on the internet now. I don't know. This so it's like a house elf. Um, you know, no. Shut up. Ravenclaw drudger, Ravenclaw drudger, drudger not thresher. That's the one I. That's the one I've seen before. Is the Ravenclaw drudger? Is there a link to it? Like an image you can link us to? Wait, wait. I'll, I'll tell you. In, in, oh God, it's so gross. Hold on. Hold on. I'll give it to you guys in the Skype. There. Oh, those guys. Yeah, those are weird. You have to collect their bones. You're like, what level are you? Like, are you like level? Oh, like, creepy. I don't know. Melissa, this is what you do, really. Although, what yes, do you do, this is what I do with all my time. <laughs> <laughs> when you're not driving your Maserati, you're doing that. You're hanging out this like yeah. Pools. No, okay. this is the fun thing to do on this because you know we all need that time, that decompression time, and and Josh got me into it, and oh, I enjoy game. it, but I'm not. I'm not. I barely know anything about the game. I just run around killing things. Had a girl. Yeah, and then I ran into these Ravenclaw things, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is Ravenclaw!" And nobody gets it except you guys. Josh got it, right? Aww. Well, Josh, I wasn't playing with Josh at the time that I found the Ravenclaw thing, so I haven't talked with him about it. Have you? Um, you are you playing with people or just with Josh? And no, <laughs> I'm not in a guild. Thanks. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it, except that if I was in a guild, I'd be putting in way too much time that I I don't have this kind of time. That's why I was asking the question, because when and if I get my new computer, I might play again a little bit because my computer can handle it. And so if you're on there, I'll make a character on the same realm. Oh, good, on the same server. Okay. That's why I was asking. Don't be a jerk, Melissa. Guilds are awesome. It's it's a lot of fun. I just, I I would be such a crap addition to a guild. Oh, I was never good at guilds because... I was never intelligent enough to, like, level my character properly. I just liked having fun, and people get all pissy with me when I didn't do stuff right. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't play this 80 hours a week like you. I just have fun with it. A lot of people do, though. It's crazy. Yeah, it's just, like, it, it's one of those things that they have so much awkward ownership, quote-unquote, over it. And it's, like, it's a game. Calm down. Well, I think it's it's a really, really, really well-done game. It's like, very well done. It's wow. really cool. Like, I played it for... Um, on and off, like started in 2005, my senior year of high school, of, of college, and then I probably haven't played it for two or three years now. So I played it for a good, like, kind of three years on and off. But yeah, a year and a half, about two years, two and a half years on and off. I could play for a month or two, not play for four months, play for a month. It was a lot of fun. Right. I think Josh did something where he linked our accounts where I'm leveling really fast. Well, I think so. You know, I think they did. Uh, they've updated this stuff so that you can level much faster than the. They've adjusted. They were like, oh, we don't have no idea what you're talking about right now. <laughs> it's an MMORPG, which I know a lot of our listeners will be, you know, familiar with. It's just a, the web series. The guild is based off of that game. The guild. That, that's to be honest. That's what got. That's what got me interested in checking this out. 
Yeah. Oh. Is the Guild is Felicia Day's web series, which is hilarious. If you've never watched it's it, go really to watchtheguild.com. So funny. Have you seen the Do You Want to Date My Avatar video? I have it on my iPod. Yes. It's, it's hilarious. Amazing. Yeah. Beautiful. So that's that's what this is about. Apparently she, the actress, spent literally two years of her life playing this game and doing nothing else. Wow. And so she created a web series about it. What a dork. We're all dorks. Nobody, we're not throwing dork stones here. I get to say who's a dork and who isn't. I'm uh, just amazed at, th- at the Ravenclaw thing. Like, nobody's said, hey, wait a second. There are some Harry Potter. Yeah, some no, I, I'm actually very amazed again. It's just... Hmm? There are some um, Harry Potter references in the game. Like, there's characters that look like characters. It's funny. Yeah, really? but... Yeah, you'll just, find them. They're, I, they're NPCs. I'm just they have nothing to do with the storyline. Sometimes it's random quests. But it's just... And it's not done in... Like, it's tasteful, and it's just kind of fun. I, I forget where they are, but you can probably wiki them, or Google it, and you can probably find them. It's like, like, but you're on the Horde side, so it's going to be hard. A lot of it's like, because they're humans, so they'd be on the Alliance side. Well, for those of us that don't play these games, do you do you have to pay to play this? Are they generating yeah. revenue? I'm on a I'm on a free thing for the moment, but I think you have to pay like 15 a month. Yeah, it's 15 a month. So I just, I'm still flum. I'm, no, I am not trying to be mean on anybody or anything. I feel like it's something that's gone under the radar, Sue. Yes, I feel like it's something just that has just flummoxed. nobody, like, how can something go under the radar in a game like World of Warcraft that has like 15 million people Can we report them? It? Exactly. Wow. I think we're reporting them right now. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, man. It's going to get you from the game. Honestly, I don't but think again, it's under like, the radar. It's one of those things that... It's Raven, like... They're not trading on Ravenclaw. I mean, it's a tiny, 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 is tiny, Ravenclaw, tiny, tiny, is that a tiny, tiny part of the game. Yes. Yes, it's art. They shut down dinners. I just... I'm wow. Okay, never mind. They did shut down a dinner. They did shut down a dinner in London. A woman made a Harry Potter-themed feast. Her name was, like, Lady Marmite or something. Yes. And... And they shut her down. Wait, they what? They shut her down. She wasn't allowed to have a hearing. called... Yeah, right. well, there's this phenomenon called, like, pop-up restaurants or something in Britain where basically you go around to people's houses and they cook for you, which just sounds very unsafe. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the one did a Harry Potter thing and she got shut down. Oh, no. That's crazy. Just, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm still amazed that Ravenclaw... I mean, that I guess maybe because we're immersed in the Harry Potter world, it just... It also resembles, it has absolutely, you can see from the picture, absolutely no resemblance to None. anything Harry Potter. I mean, the thing is a zombie. The Thank thing God. is a gross, I mean, it's, they also have an item in the thing called the Raven's Claw, so it makes sense if they could, they could pull that name from it. Like, if it ever really went to quote-unquote, you know, sure. court or whatever, they'd have a real argument on their hands, so they're probably just ignoring it. Yeah. Uh. It's funny, though very funny i was like i was like am i and then you know you're playing the game there are people around because you see them them talking in the chat but you're in your own house so i'm walking literally on this road on the game and i see you know in my periphery a ravenclaw whatever and i'm looking around me going does nobody else see this and there's nobody (laughs) around me because it's just so weird when you're in the game you just feel like you're surrounded by people and you're not it's it's a totally yeah i'm trying i'm avoid i'm trying to really kind of avoid the massive suck in but so far it's been okay so far it's not been a massively obsessed uh, it's a lot of fun fun. you turn your brain off it's kind of fun it's cool that you play like maybe in a couple months when I get a little more settled and able to afford a new computer I'd like to play with you that'd be fun you me and Josh man we tear things up I have some characters that I can unfreeze like I have a I have a level 50 something no mage and a level 60 something no mage and a level 50 45 
um, Blood Elf Paladin. And her what name is really? her name's Frack, but spelled with a PH. <laughs> She's a girl. Oh, very uh, funny. I have I a name that, 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 that Leaky Staffers would enjoy. What is because it? the Blood Elves uh-huh. um, have really bright green eyes, really bright glowing eyes. Oh, are you Lily? Um, no. Oh, what? No, 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 I'm not telling my name on Pottercast. Oh, you are a chicken. Then type it to me There's right no now. Way. Type There's it to me right no now. no way. How many people do you think listen to the show and play your little game? There's a lot, John. Probably a lot. It's just a server giant. thing. So if you don't tell it, it server, and you're wrong, it's probably those. good. But... And also, it's not a privacy thing. It's when I go on, when I go on this game, I don't want to be, you know, I'm not a social person. I'm shutting my brain uh, off so that I can actually uh, sleep. That's what I'm doing when I play this game, you know? Type it so to I don't, me. I, I can't be social. I'll tell you. But Josh, who's from Leaky, you know, he's a very, very fun guy. And when I first made a character, he he showed up as his level 80, which is the highest, you know, whatever. And he shows up and you have, I didn't know this at the time, but you have like these pets that your character can have. So he shows up with like 12 pets and they're all chopping around him. And then this box, he throws this box on the ground and a disco ball comes out yeah. and music starts playing and everybody starts dancing. I was like, Josh, only you. Of course you show up with a party. It's just... <laughs> yeah, because you know <laughs> Farah would have been awesome. Oh man, get for you then. That's well, you know. Well, it's something we all we all need that, you know. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. What? You get it, Frack? <laughs> I just told him my name. Okay. <clears throat> Frack, do you get it? Oh. Hit <laughs> rewind. I just got it. it took me a minute. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Okay, I think we've we've dragged this out long enough. Yeah. Oh wow. It's oh, funny. So John, don't okay. don't eat all of your candy this weekend. Get from trick or treat. Uh, you guys no. know that one year, um, I I rationed my candy so much that I had one <laughs> peanut butter cup left on Easter, and then I, I ate it on wow. Easter because I knew I would get more Easter candy. <laughs> Awesome, Frank. That is strategic candyizing, if there ever was. Way to go! There was a couple that times is. when, like, I was I wanted candy for my little stash, and I was like, "Too late, because I have this only have this one piece left." And then once I, when Easter came around, I was like, "I can eat it!" And I opened it, and it was all like white. <laughs> like, oh. Gross! You ate a white piece of food, and that's gross. Oh, oh I know. Since Who would eat white dog? Uh huh. That's gross. Especially yeah. like white meat. Uh, or not meat, quote unquote meat. I think we forget, but we don't. Right. Well, I think it's time until next time, guys, to keep twiddling those dials. The next password will be Ravenclaw. <laughs> keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. We've missed it. W3. I confess myself disappointed. Mind, I'm going to bed. Great Scott, no wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. 